Amen. Then they do a great job. How many know that what song that is? It's a great song, Down from His Glory. And uh, as they're playing, and I'm thinking, um, people that I've heard sing this song are these incredible tenors, right? Their voices just kind of, and at the end, you know, they dwelleth in him is, is the last couple of words of that song. And they, you know, I, I won't do it for you because you'll leave for sure. And uh, although I may, because I might stop you from doing this. But um, it's, just a, it's just a great song. And, and thank you. And thank you for singing those hymns. Uh, I might take this group on the road, but you have to come too. Or you can bring your family. Oh, you might want to leave them home. If it's, it's, you know, it's, I know. We'll have to pray about it, right? <clears throat> so it's great. And I love singing those hymns at a lower key. And I noticed that. It was at a lower key, which is great for me because my voice uh, gets lower. Um, not that it matters to you whether my voice gets lower or higher. But, uh, so it's just good to be here this morning. It's good to see you. And, and don't you appreciate uh, Pastor Gary and Tanya? Amen. Amen. They're, they're a great couple. And I mean, I know we love Dan and Nancy. And um, I was just going to say, but I don't mean it that way. I know we love Dan and Nancy. I'm, and I'm grateful that uh, Gary and Tanya are here. And, and they just do a beautiful job together, don't they? So you'll encourage them this week, won't you? I mean, I know you'll by praying for them, but uh, you'll encourage them and, and uh, say what a blessing they are because they truly are. Amen. So I want to talk to you about prayer. Now, before you kind of check out on that, because sometimes that's a topic that everyone, oh, yeah, we know about prayer, but it's a little different aspect that I want to share with you uh, this morning. So, um, and I'm going to give you an assignment as well. Uh, Not the ones I gave to the kids, um, but it'll be a little different. So uh, we're going to talk about prayer. And if you turn in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 4, it's just so good to be with you this morning. It's... uh, See these uh, babies of little kids. Well, they're not little kids now, but they were little kids when I was here. So it's uh, to see some babies in the house. It's, it's kind of interesting. You know, we were all once babies. Do you remember when you were a baby? You probably don't remember. <clears throat> Hopefully you're not a baby today, but you never know, right? Colossians chapter 4. It's good to have babies in the church, isn't it? It really is. Colossians 4, uh, verse number 2, a letter from Paul. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us, too, that God may open the door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders, Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. And so, Lord, we pray that you would take your word this morning and apply it to our hearts. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, you are our rock and our redeemer. We love you today. Thank you for the grace and mercy that you have poured out upon us in great abundance. We pray this in your name. Amen. So speaking of prayer, I want to thank you for praying for me. Uh, This is certainly a a different kind of a responsibility and 
kind of thing that's going on. And, and uh, this afternoon, or this morning, <laughs> I said this afternoon, that's not going to keep, well, it's, oh, well, I'm, it may be this afternoon. Now, when, I, when I'm finished today and, and uh, we have to head up to Ludlow, which is near Springfield, and, and they're a church that's in pastoral transition, and uh, the only time they can meet as a board is on Sunday afternoon. So, but the only time, the only, I mean, I'm close enough uh, to be able to meet with them this afternoon. So, uh, so we have six or seven, yeah, seven, six. I don't know, I get confused. Churches that are open right now, and they're in this pastoral transition time. So it uh, keeps me pretty busy. But uh, so thank you for your prayers. I really appreciate it. Several years ago, uh, we were at Nazarene Theological Seminary in Kansas City, Missouri. Kansas City is a nice place. Never been there before until we moved there uh, to go to seminary. But there, one day, uh, out of the blue, there was this advertisement. It was on billboards. It was on TV. It was on the radio. Uh, even once in a while, uh, a vehicle would go by that had this uh, advertisement on it. What we didn't know was an advertisement at first. And, th- and these are the words that they had, uh, or this, these are the words that were on that advertisement. What do you want? on your tombstone. That's kind of interesting, right? What do you want on your tombstone? And we couldn't figure out what in the world they were talking about. What do you want on your tombstone? So I'll tell you, I've thought a a long time about this, and I'll tell you what I want on mine in a few moments. Uh, It's very profound. It's very deep. And when you hear it, you'll probably say, yeah, that's typical of him. So, uh, but what it was, I mean, so they had all these conversations on the radio, talk shows, all this, all this what, is, what does that mean? What do you want on your tombstone? So all these different things were, were being said about what people wanted on their tombstone. In reality, it was an advertisement for a pizza company. You know, tombstone pizza, have you ever heard of tombstone pizza? Yeah, it's a frozen pizza. It's not a pizza chain. And that's what it is. So what do you want on your tombstone pizza? It was kind of a, kind of a crazy thing, right? And, um, and so it was interesting because in Kansas City, they had a pizza chain called Godfather's Pizza. Tombstone, Godfather's. I mean, it was just kind of a, was, if you don't get it, it's all right. <laughs> it took me a while to get it anyways. So he, so. So here's what I would want on my tombstone. Now, I've done a lot of research on this. So you know, if you walk into cemeteries, I mean, people have things written on their tombstone. You know, uh, this was a great person. That was, you know, they did this, they did that. So are you ready? Here's mine. Are you ready? Okay. Here it is. I told you I was sick. <laughs> Wouldn't that be a great thing to have on a tombstone? I told you I was sick. And that... I <laughs> Right? I mean, come on. Does that fit me or what? I told you. I told you I was sick. Now, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to put on my tombstone, but, um, but it, it, is, it does kind of make you think. And in Colossians, I mean, we didn't read this in, in this particular, these particular verses, but if you jump down a little bit to verse number 12, we read about Epaphras, who was a very influential person uh, to Colossae and bring in the gospel uh, to them. And this is what it says in verse number 12. Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you. 
that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. Uh, wrestling in prayer. Wrestling in prayer. The word wrestling there means to, uh, to have a strenuous kind. I mean, really, it literally means to wrestle, to, you know, to have a, a strenuous kind of zeal, just, just this, um, this intensity, intentionality uh, of wrestling. So Epaphras was one who wrestled always, wrestled in prayer for all of you. Now, I think that would be a great thing to put on a tombstone, really. Or, you know, how people give eulogies and they give remembrances. It would be great for someone to say of you or to say of me, you know, I just want to say that person was always wrestling in prayer for me. I mean, wouldn't that be a great thing? Several years ago, I was a youth pastor in Lowell, Massachusetts. And uh, during the summer, uh, which I'm going to talk to you about, about experiment. You know, the summertime is a great time to experiment or try some different things to to expand your spiritual disciplines or to develop your spiritual disciplines. Sometimes people, uh, they will take the summer to read God's word more, to spend extra time studying a book in the Bible or a letter from Paul. Uh, some people will, will take uh, the summer and develop uh, the discipline of, uh, of being silent, which isn't easy to do today. Some people would, would try to develop the discipline of, of experiencing a quietness. I mean, there's all sorts of things. So I want to encourage you to spend this summer, it's already half gone, but to spend the rest of the summer developing your prayer life. These teens, uh, so we did that over a summer several years ago. That was a long time ago. We arrived at Lowell when Ronald Reagan was elected president. That was the election night. Uh, 1984 is when we arrived in Lowell, just a couple of years ago. So one summer, uh, we, we developed this uh, summer series in prayer because I discovered in their lives that many of their prayers, and there's nothing wrong about this, but many of their prayers were about themselves, about their needs, about their situation. I mean, what teenager doesn't pray for themselves, right? Well, we all do that, right? We have needs, we have challenges, we have situations that come our way, and, and we should always pray about that. I'm not saying don't do that, but I discovered that uh, they didn't have a balance in their prayer life. Most of their prayers, and not that there's anything wrong with this, most of their prayers were about themselves and their needs and their situations and their circumstances or that surrounding their family. It was petition, and there's nothing wrong about that. We should do that, right? We're told, to, we're told to pray for one another, right, and help each other out. So, but, uh, so they, they would do that. So, but it, it concerned me because I very rarely heard uh, prayers about someone else's spiritual condition or someone else's spiritual journey. I mean, they just didn't, they, they just didn't do that. They was all focused on themselves. And, and so we began to work with that uh, ACTS, you know, A-C-T-S acronym, right? Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. But we turned the supplication to intercession. So we talked about what it meant to praise God in our prayers, adoration. We talked about what it meant to confess to God in our prayers, confession. Sometimes we don't do that very well. We, what do we confess? We talked, to God, we talked to them about thanksgiving. What does it mean to be thankful? And praise and thanksgiving are different. Sometimes they go hand in hand, and I'm not saying they shouldn't, but they're just different. But we spent a lot of time interceding for others because I discovered 
that when we spend time in intercession for others, it's part of what God has called us to become as his kingdom people, to be involved missionally, to be, in, to be engaged, to intercede, to pray for other people, especially, especially people who don't know Jesus. Now, you don't have to look around very long in this world to understand that we really need to pray for others, right? We need to pray for other situations. And so this is what Paul is talking about here. He's saying, devote yourselves to prayer. The word devote yourselves to prayer means to be fully engaged, not just in prayer, but in the results of being fully engaged in prayer. So for instance, um, as you begin to pray for some others, or a family or, or people who don't know Christ. So it's not, when, it's, when Paul says devote yourselves to prayer, it's, you're not just praying for that family, you're devoting yourselves to praying for the results of praying for that family. So in other words, there's something that you are praying for that you need to see. That's why Paul says being watchful and thankful. So when you begin to pray for others and you begin to pray for the results of being fully devoted in prayer, you begin to watch to see where God is at work. Because sometimes we, don't, we, uh, we get caught up in things and sometimes we don't think God is at work. But God is always at work around us, amen? I mean, we're Wesleyans. We believe in the prevenient grace of God. We believe that God is at work even before someone receives him. He, it would happen in your life, right? Someone, we call it the, the, what, the wooing of the spirit. Remember that, the wooing of the spirit? Um, that, that God was wooing, uh, was encouraging you somehow, some way. He was, he was trying to uh, encourage you to know about his love. And that's prevenient grace. And so we believe, we're Wesleyans in, in a lot of our theological foundations, so we believe that God is at work all around us, all the time, right? Amen? You're not yawning yet. That's good. Some of your eyes are drifting, but, you're, you know, that's, that's okay. That's all right. We're, we're, we're going to land pretty soon, so you're doing good. Look at the person next to you and say, hang in there. He'll, he'll land eventually. I've heard him speak before. He eventually gets there. So it's, we believe in the provening because God is at work all around. God is at work around your neighborhood. Do you believe that? Oh, I know he is. I know he's at work. Whether you believe it or not, that's not the, well, it is kind of the issue because it has to be important to you. But whether you believe it or not, God is at work in your neighborhood. I believe God is at work in our country. He needs to do a lot of work in our country, Right? He needs to do, because he needs to do a lot of work on us. I believe that God is at work where you work. I believe that. I believe there are people that you know, employees or fellow employees that you know, that God is at work in their life. And if we take this responsibly, if we, you know, really intensify on this, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful, you'll be able to begin to see how God is at work in the lives of those around you. I mean, really, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm being honest. As you begin to do that, God begins to expand your heart. When you begin to pray for people that don't know Jesus, I mean, really begin to pray for people. I mean, I'm not saying, oh, God, pray for those folks. I'm saying, Lord, Lord, here's a, this is my neighbor, Jim, or this is, you know, this is my neighbor, Marion, or this is my coworker. You know, uh, you begin to pray. You begin to pray for their salvation or pray for God to reveal himself uh, to them, you'll begin to notice God at work. Paul uses this word watchful. He talks about the Old Testament background is about a watchman on the wall. So 
uh, they would put watchmen on the walls of the city to see if anyone would invade their city so they could see ahead of time. Even at night, and it's interesting about nighttime, um, you know, years ago, um, we had teen camp in uh, Forestdale, Massachusetts, at Camp Good News. It was down toward the Cape. And uh, it was, you know, in the early days, when I was, early days of youth ministry and I was here. And so uh, at this particular camp that we were renting, they had uh, the meeting space in the dining hall and the meeting space for that we had for services. And most of the cabins where the students stayed in were all kind of around that area. But there were two cabins that were off in the woods. So you had to, it was a big place. So you had to kind of walk through the woods uh, to get to these two cabins. They were kind of on the backside of an athletic field. And every once in a while, I know you would find this hard to believe in teen camp, uh, but there, every once in a while, a couple of teens during the service would say, hey, uh, to their counselor, I need to go to the bathroom, right? Uh, it's okay to say it in church. I need to go to the bathroom. Uh, I, you know, and so, okay, hurry up. You know, why couldn't you go before? You know, you know how that goes. And so what would happen is, you know, these teens would go and it'd be a long time before they would come back. Well, they didn't. Really, never really went to the bathroom. And, you know, and so, we're, you know, we're, we're highly trained, highly skilled counselors of teenagers, youth pastors, most of us. So what we would do is everyone would, and they love this. I mean, we love this is what I'm saying. Uh, we, there'd be two of us that would take turns, and we would go in that pathway, about halfway through the pathway, and just stand there kind of back up into the trees. Now, this is, it's nighttime. There's no light pollution in the Cape. So it's, you know, it's nighttime, and it's pretty hard to see. But you know what I discovered? As we were sitting there, after about maybe 10 minutes, because I had younger eyes back then, but after about, I didn't see anything floating around like I do today, but, but after about 10 minutes, you could begin to see. Not, not clearly, but you could, you could see. I mean, you could see. Uh, you could see in front of you. You could see shapes or whatever. And so sure enough, it was great. Uh, without fail, there'd be two, two students. Um, I'm not picking on the girls, but it was the girls' cabin that were up there. Uh, so, because uh, usually we had more girls than guys, and that was a big, uh, big place to have all the girls. So uh, what would happen is we just would hang out and just wait. You know, we just kind of back into the trees a little bit, and here comes the pathway, and sure enough, you know, uh, they, were, they just wanted to go back to the cabin. I don't know what they wanted to do. So it's quiet. Then all of a sudden you hear this giggling, and you hear this conversation, and you see the flashlight, and we're just, you know, we're just standing there. It's, it's great. And, and, and they come within two feet. Now, we would determine whether we do it before they got to us or when they went by us. Well, we decided to wait till they, when they went by us because that's the most fun part. So, I mean, they're, they're talking, right? Um, they're talking. Um, they're talking and they're walking. And they go, right? I mean, don't even see us. Don't even see us. They don't have a clue we're there. It's, it's great. We would do this every night, and they still wouldn't have a clue that we were there. So they were walking. As soon as they got by, it, we didn't have to say anything loud. It was, hey, what are you doing here? Ah! That's great. That's great. Every youth pastor's dream. It was just a great thing to you know, scare your kids. It was, it was, ah! Get back to 
get back to the service. Has nothing, well, yeah, it does, being watchful. <laughs> being watchful and thankful. You would be amazed. Just as it was easy for us to develop a better eyesight, just staying in the dark for a little while, when you begin to devote yourselves to prayer, being to devote yourselves to the things that you're devoting yourselves to in prayer, you begin to see God at work. I mean, you really will. You'll begin to see God at work. So Paul says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful. And the second word is being thankful. The word thankful is, is the word Eucharist. This is where we get the word Eucharist from. Eucharist literally means out of full grace or out of an abundance of grace. That's kind of what that word means. We, we, we talk about it as being uh, thankful and, and, and grateful. And, and uh, so when you, when you begin to see God at work, uh, even if you don't see God at work, but the watchful and thankful go together because you are engaged in the grace of God that's working in the lives of people. And that's a great thing to do. So you're thankful. So when, when you see someone that begins to kind of take a step or they begin to have conversation, it's amazing. They begin to have conversation. Or you begin to see them kind of wrestle with some things in life or whatever. You begin to see that God's grace is at work in their life. And you're grateful for that because you see God at work, right? It's being watchful and being thankful. Devote yourselves to prayer being watchful and thankful. So it's not just devoting yourselves to, you know, developing a prayer life, which is important. Uh, Paul is it's much beyond that, so far beyond that. It's devoting yourselves to the results of being devoted to prayer. So it's not just praying, you know, and, and that's it. You know, we hang up the receiver. God, blah, 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 that's it, you know. It's devoting yourselves to the results of being devoted in prayer. So you're watching and you're thankful, because you know God is at work. And there's probably several of you this morning that could give a testimony to, you know, I've been praying for this person, I've been praying for this person for a long time. And I saw God at work. God was starting to do things. Sometimes it's in a tragedy, sometimes it's in a difficulty, sometimes it's in a happy thing. God is at work. So I want to encourage you that as you develop this discipline, spiritual discipline in your life, it would be a prayer for others, not just for yourself, not just for your circumstances. Once again, I, I'm not saying that's bad. I'm saying that's how we pray, right? We're, we're to pray for one another and pray for ourselves. But you begin to pray for people that don't know Jesus. I mean, you get, I mean, you just get downright serious about it. You devote yourselves to prayer. And I don't know how you do that. You could, you could, put their name on something or, or you could, uh, I, I don't know how you want to put it on your phone or whatever, but you just every day, you say, God, you know, here's so-and-so and, and I know they don't know you and, and I work with them or I go to school with them or they're my neighbor or you can even, you know, where you're checking out at the grocery store, you, everybody has a name tag. Did you ever notice that? Everyone has a name tag. So you, you can even start praying for them. You don't have to know them, but it's a good discipline because what happens is, God expands your heart. And when God expands your heart, you begin to see things. I'm telling you, you begin to see things. I'm not going to say that you've never saw before, but you begin to see things that you've never seen before. <laughs> I mean, really, you, when you begin to be watchful and thankful. So this is what Paul is saying here in this passage of Scripture. Being, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. 
and pray for us too that God might open the door for our message. There's a lot of things in here. Some of the things that when you begin to pray, you, you get a wisdom in the way you act toward outsiders. That's what Paul says. When you begin to pray, God gives you wisdom and discernment. He's just not going to give it to you uh, until you begin to get serious about praying for this particular person. God will give you wisdom and discernment and uh, make the most of opportunity. Your conversation will be full of grace. That's going to take some work. Your conversations will be full. That's a whole other message that maybe some other time. Uh, conversations full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. It's not just answering everyone, knowing how to answer everyone. That's, that's very, very important. A prayerless believer is a weak believer. A prayerless believer is a weak believer. A prayerless church is a weak church because you lose out on the mission. And whenever we as a congregation and I'm not saying you are. Whenever any congregation loses out on the mission, you, you begin to be a very weak church. So this block party that you're having, block party that you're having in a couple of weeks, and you, you miss my accent, don't you? I know, I can tell. I can tell. You're gracious for my accent. But this block party that you're having in a couple of weeks, I mean, Tanya talked about praying for good weather, and you should. Pray for people that will come. You don't even have to know their name because, right, see, God's at work, right? So you can't, it, I'm not saying to let you off the hook, but you don't have to stress out about that stuff because God's, God's already at work. The people that will come here at the block party, God's already at work in their life. He really is. It might be a conversation you might have or just something saying hi, or, or they might be here and come on the grounds and say, boy, you know, I, I just kind of, there's something different about this place, right? And it might encourage them. And it, you, just, you just never know. Because God is always at work all around us. I believe that, don't you? You should. We're Wesleyans in our foundation. God is at work all around us. So the people that will come, you don't even have to know who they are. You don't even know who's going to come yet. I mean, so the people that come, God is already at work in their life. So, I mean, if Tanya says, hey, we have two more, you know, we have two more stations or two more booths or whatever it's called, uh, uh, I'll, I'll be there. I mean, I can't be there. I'm going to be away. But, but I mean, you, well, I'll be there because I want to be on what God's doing. I want to see how God is at work. And not putting pressure on God and not putting ex God, You don't have to put pressure on God's already at work, right? So by you showing up, God's going, oh, now I can really be at work because so-and-so is here. He's already at work. But you can be a part of what God is doing, and it's just, it's just, a, it's, it's just a great thing. So prayer experiments. I call them prayer experiments. Um, God is at work all around us. I have, um, I have two great quotes by, uh, by Oswald. One's by Oswald Chambers, and then one is by Samuel Chadwick. And then I'm going to pass something out to you uh, that will, will help uh, reinforce what I'm sharing this morning. So we're, we're, we're going to land pretty soon. Um, Oswald Chambers said this, If you give God your right to yourself... If you give God your right to yourself, he will make a holy experiment out of you. And his experiments always succeed. Isn't that great? If you give God your right to yourself, he will make a holy experiment out of you. And his experiments always succeed. That's a great quote. Here's one of my favorites. It's by Samuel Chadwick. Um, 
lived long ago. Uh, this is what he says about prayer. The one concern of the devil is to keep the saints from praying. That's you and me, those who follow Christ. The one concern of the devil is to keep the saints from praying. He fears nothing from prayerless studies, prayerless work, prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil, mocks at our wisdom. That's M-O-C-K-S, not Mark Davis mock. It's M-O-C-K-S. Mocks at our wisdom, but trembles when we pray. Isn't that great? I'm going to read it to you again. The one concern of the devil is to keep the saints from praying. He fears nothing from prayerless studies, prayerless work, prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil, mocks at our wisdom, but trembles when we pray. And as Elvis Presley once said, that great theologian, there's a whole lot of shaking going on, right? How are my prayer life to be? There's a whole lot of shaking going on. So, so I have something to pass out, and I, I probably need some help. Why? Well, I know, probably need. I, I need some help. Yeah, look at them all come. Sing another verse, Gary. They're still coming. I need some help. Just to, if someone come and help and just pass these out to everyone and make sure everyone, yeah, come on, both of you come. You never cause problems at camp, so uh, that's why I could say that without, you want to help? Come here. Now, your sister is another thing altogether. Oh, I think that's it. I think they have, I have they all out there. So everyone gets one. Here's my Bible. Everyone have one? They're still coming. They're still coming. So these are just some prayer experiments. You can look at this and say, Psh, I'll do my own thing. That's fine. Um, but these are, these are some, so this is how I want to encourage you to expand your prayer life. Because these things that you probably don't do on a regular basis, uh, you might need to do and ask God to expand your prayer life. Prayer experiments. I'm just going to, um, I'm going to go through them real quick without making too many comments here and there. So the first one talks about start and end each day with prayer. And I mean, I, I know that's a no-brainer. Duh, you know, you came all the way from Quincy, Mass, and us that. You know, start and end each day with prayer. That's a no-brainer. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is saying, okay, God, in the morning, okay, God, you know what's going to happen today. I mean, I have my schedule. I know what I, know what, um, I need to do. Everyone have one? I know my schedule, I know what I need to do, but this is your day, God. I belong to you, so interrupt my schedule. Or in my schedule, let me see what you see. When you start praying that way in the morning, every morning, you'll be amazed. That's being watchful. And then at the end of the day, you begin to rehearse or rethink, think back uh, what God has done in, on your day. And, and on that day, you're, you're grateful, you're thankful. So you're, you know, you're being um, watchful and, and, and thankful. The second one is pray the newspaper or pray the news. However you get the news, you just pray for it. I, I mean, it's amazing what will happen when you do that. So I'm just encouraging you, however you receive the news, uh, whatever story comes up, or just, just begin to pray uh, for what's happening. Did you get them all out there? Did you, well, did you get one? 
Okay, but how about for you? Did you get one for yourself? I think you did. All right, we're good. I'm told back there we're good. I'm going to take him on the road with me. This is great. Uh, the third one is pray for people you pass by. Frank Laubach was uh, in the 1930s, he was an educator, but he was also a missionary. He was considered the father of the modern literacy movement. And he felt that people could get out of their poverty if they would learn how to read, if they could learn how to read. So he would travel trying to teach people that. And, and he, uh, he spent a couple of years in the mid-30s journaling this kind of approach about praying for people that he didn't even know. And, uh, and just pray. So, you know, they're traveling by train or by boat. You know, it's a long travel. So he began to pray for people around. He didn't have to know them. He began to pray for people around him. And believe it or not, sometimes a conversation out of the blue was developed over spiritual things. Uh, politics, what would happen if you began to intercede for politicians? Boy, we need that one. Uh, the list, number five, it's just listing your coworkers. Sometimes, you know, we'll leave here, and if we don't make a list, you know, we'll forget. So I'm not saying that, you know, do or die by the list, but that's an important. Number six, the bills. I don't mean the Buffalo bills. I mean, you know, the bills. You know, pray, pray for the companies, agencies, stores, utilities that you pay bills to. And you know what's going to happen when you do that? You're going to get a credit. No, you're not. I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not saying that. It cracks me up when people, oh, no, I'm, um, I'm going to stop because I'm going to get in trouble on that one. So, I mean, just so just, I mean, yeah, pray, God, I need help making this bill. But pray for the people, the leadership, because you know there are believers in there. Once again, God is at work all around us, right? Uh, number seven, uh, here's another challenge. Pray for, hooray for Hollywood. Pray for those actors and actresses. Um, I would encourage people that when they had the, whatever awards they were, the Grammys, the Emmys, the Oscars, whatever they are, they're all different categories. I w and they were usually on Sunday evenings. I just encourage people, look, you need to watch. Ah, I can't watch that stuff. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, no, you need to watch it because you need to pray for them. Someone's got to pray for them, right? And, you know, God begins to expand your heart. Uh, number eight is, is uh, what's up, doc? <laughs> Pray for, how many of you have to go to a doctor's office? Right, so here's something, it, this happens in the waiting room, which they try to trick you now by saying the reception area, but you still know it's a waiting room, right, because you're going to have to <laughs> wait, right. So here's, so, and I don't know if this happens in your doctor's office, but in every doctor's office I have, someone opens the door from the inner sanctum there and calls out what? A name. Mr. Stanford, Mr. Light, Mrs. Cornell, you know, Mrs. Armstrong. I mean, they call you, they, isn't that great? So all of a sudden now, before, you didn't even know that person's name, right? So, uh, so they call your name. So what do you do? Lord, I mean, now you don't do this in the office like this. You know, Lord, I pray for Mrs. Armstrong. No, so you just say, I pray for Mrs. Armstrong. If you're in a, I have a cardiologist, so everybody knows that if you're in a cardiologist's office, it has to do with what? Your, yeah, not your ears, not your mouth, not your, but it's your heart. So we have something in common with you about a heart. So we're going we're gonna to ask God to, uh, you know, Mrs. Armstrong just got called to see a cardiologist. So Lord, I, I lift that person. It's, it's just great. Uh, what's up, Doc? Number nine is uh, people that have the music that you like to listen to. Number 10 is uh, people at the restaurants, you know, 
Your server probably has a name, right? A name tag. You know, pray for them. You know, they ha- you can pray for them by name. It's, it's right there. You might want to call a manager over during your meal because, you know, when the manager gets called, what, what does that mean? Yeah, right. It means something's, gonna, something's wrong. So managers do not like to get called over to tables. So you call a manager over, and, and you say, you know, this is my server, and she did a great job. I just want to tell you that she did a great job, and uh, so you should be grateful for her. I mean, your server, their drawer is dropped, and the manager's going, what just happened? It's called blessing people, blessing people. Uh, school, number 11, number 12, are, are, you know, first responders. Number 13 is a prayer walk, which you guys have done before. Number 14 is lifting up the churches in your neighborhood, which is what you do. Number 15, if you volunteer, you know, lift up the clients that you serve, whether it's meals on wheels, food, whatever. Uh, number 16, missionaries or agencies, uh, you know how to do that. Number 17 is NEMA, New England Nazarene, uh, New England Missionary Adventure, or New England Missional Adventure. I really believe, uh, and I'm going to close with this, what would happen, what would happen if, one, we would get to know our neighbors by name, two, pray daily for them by name, and three, respond sensitively and sensibly. Those are two important words, <laughs> sensitively and sensibly to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. What would happen? I know what would happen. God will expand your heart for your neighborhood because you are a missionary in your neighborhood. In fact, I think God wants you there in your neighborhood because God's always at work all around us. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Amen? Well, that's kind of what God has laid in my heart this summer as I travel, but I don't get to preach this very often because usually it's a church uh, in transition. I have to preach a different message and and or they're kind of going through some difficulties, and that's a whole other message I have to preach. But I love to preach about this because I believe that that's what God uh, is, wants us to understand uh, this morning. So let's stand. Look, it's not even noontime yet. Are you impressed? I, mean, I have one minute, so I'm going to have to pray long. Um, remember years ago at noontime, I'd be preaching in the bell. Remember the bells that go off at noontime? I mean, you didn't think I heard them because I just ignored them. I did hear them. I just ignored them. So it was, it was, uh, it was a good thing. Well, it's noontime. Let's pray. <laughs> so, Lord, thank you today for your love and your guidance. Thank you for the opportunity to be here. Um, this is a very significant aspect in our life about prayer, praying for others. So I pray, God, that these, I know these might seem kind of silly, but I know that these experiments if we begin to work on them, whether it's one or two or three of them, um, if we begin to work on them and, and devote, devote ourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, we'll see you at work. Now, we don't have to see you at work because we know you're at work whether we see you at work or not. But somehow, some way, our hearts get expanded, our vision gets expanded, and we begin to see the things that you see. And hear the things that you hear. Not necessarily what we hear, but the things that you hear. And we can respond in the way that you would respond. It makes a big difference, a big difference. So, Lord, uh, as we ponder this and think about this today and, and maybe implement a couple of them, 
uh, over this next week or two and maybe a couple other ones over the next week or two, uh, whatever it is, God. This, this, I mean, there's no right or wrong way to do this. Um, and certainly it's not an assignment that I'll be checking on in another month, but it's an opportunity for us to develop and expand our prayer life as we pray for others. So, Lord, to that, help us, because as Samuel Chadwick says, we want to see trembling from the prayer life of your people. So help us, Lord. May we be in a holy experiment to you. So we commit these things to you. Thank you, God. And I pray for the kids uh, that tomorrow uh, you'll remind them, because there's a lot of things going on in their minds, but tomorrow that you'll remind them that there's someone they're going to see or meet that they really don't know, and you're going to talk to them, and you're going to say, that's the person I want you to pray for. Oh, Father, what a precious day that will be tomorrow. So we commit ourselves to that end. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen, amen. God bless you. You are dismissed. Hug a few hundred people before you go. Tell them you love them. Share your prayer experiments with them.